oh my goodness, like we got it. And then it was like, oh, oh crap, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> it was that, oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, now the real work begins, right? This is the Yield Coach Show, episode 34. I'm your host, Ian Brown. Every episode, we bring you dynamic entrepreneurs, real estate investors, thought leaders, and inspirational guests ready to open up, share their story, the good, the bad, the ugly, so you can gain advantages, learn lessons, and accelerate your own personal success. Very excited about today's guest. We have Ms. Dawn Keller on the show. I'm going to let her tell you more about herself, but Dawn is a multifamily investor resides in the Dallas area with her husband, Jason, and is a general partner and or limited partner in 600 multifamily doors throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth metro. Dawn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ian. I am honored to be here with you guys today. Um, yeah, I'd love to just share a little about my story. Um, I know Ian and I were talking a little bit, just like, I believe that there are a lot of people out there like me that genuinely want to make a change in their life or in their financial situation. And I particularly find there's a lot of people that want to invest in real estate. They just don't know how or where to get started. So, um, or frankly, sometimes they just don't have the time. Right. And that was me. And by sharing my story, my hope is that I can help others. I like that. And I think you, it's funny you say that just yesterday, I had a, um, a former tenant of mine. She was staying at one of my properties while she was finishing up occupational therapy. Now she's in the field and she's starting to get those first decent paychecks coming in. And she's like, Ian, I want to invest. What advice do you have? Come on, tell me yield coach. And I asked her a couple of follow-up questions and she was talking about what she would do with just a couple hundred bucks. And I don't mean to be flipping or rude, but I'm like, okay, well, you probably need to develop a skill and I don't, and something outside of being an occupational therapist. Otherwise you need to just run a budget, maybe house hack, pay off your car, pay off your credit cards, accumulate a little bit of money and participate in deals. But um, to hit you right off the rip here, you know, what do you say to people that are like, I don't, I want to invest, but I don't know. I don't know how to get started or where to get started. Yeah. Great question. Um, I definitely think each, each individual is, different and their situation's different. And I I'm a big believer in mentorship. So I, I would like to hit on that too, but, um, yeah. maybe just to, if I, I want to back up and just kind of share a little bit about kind of where I came from too. Cause I think sometimes people, at least for me, I think it, you know, it's really easy to say, well, that person um, has better opportunities than than I had, or they have a better education, or they come from money, so it's easier for them. It's really easy to get caught up in those um, those kind of lies that we 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 tell we tell ourselves. And for me, that definitely wasn't the case. And um, I, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot. My my parents divorced when I was two, and before my mom remarried, before she married my stepdad, there were several years where my mom was working two jobs, raising three small children by herself. And there's no doubt in my mind that that absolutely made me extremely independent. Um, I have so much respect for her. I'll, I'll never really know all the sacrifices that she made, but I watched her just figure it out. And I think that's really carried throughout my entire life. That, you know, sometimes the truth is really that not all of us have all of the answers. Um, sometimes we don't know how we're going to make something happen, or we don't, we don't know how we're going to get through a challenging time in our life or to reach a goal, do some, achieve something that we want to do. But we, sometimes we just have to figure it out. 
and no one's going to do the work for you, right? And it, sometimes it doesn't always look the way that we thought that it would, but you pick yourself up and you figure it out. And to me, I use role models throughout my life. Definitely uh, mentorship is a huge, I'm a huge believer in modeling someone that has done the thing that you want to do. And, you know, my parents growing up, they taught me to um, just save my money, right? That's what they knew. It's just like, you know, get work hard and save your money. And I became a really good saver. I, I put all my money in a 401k, thinking that that was the way to grow my nest egg in retirement. And I remember seeing my 401k, my 401k down 30% in a single year. And, you know, I worked really hard for that money. And I could have put that money into something else. And I was looking for something that was really going to grow my money exponentially. I, I dabbled in the stock market. I was tired of the volatility of the stock market. And now my parents are in their 70s and they're both still working. And I hate mm. that for them. I don't want them to have to work. I don't want to work until I'm 70. I don't know much you guys, but um, but that's a reality that a lot of people are facing now is you know, we think we're saving enough. We think we're, we're doing the right thing by creating those retirement accounts and, um, and save being good savers, but it's really not enough. I, I, I just talked with a gentleman the other day, a, a physician, he's a surgeon actually, who is 56 years old. And he said, Don, I thought I'd be able to retire by now. He, he said by 55 to 60 that I, I thought I'd be able to retire. And he said, that's just not the case. And now he's investing in multifamily. He's investing in apartments because like me, he was looking for something to really grow, grow his money, um, to really put his money to work. And so that's kind of where, how really the, the shift I think for me was this is, there's gotta be a better way to do this, right? There's gotta be a better way than just like saving every penny and hoping that we save enough for retirement. And that's what really got me started investing in real estate. And I did a single family flip. I did one that was enough for me. So for all of you flippers out there, God bless you. That is a really hard, it is a hard job. And to me, I thought like, how am I going to scale this into something bigger? That was my biggest thing. That was my disconnect is you're going to have to have a huge pipeline of single family flips or uh, buy and hold single family to really accumulate that and grow that into something bigger versus the very first apartment building that I bought. And we can get it, get into this in a little bit. And um, is that I bought a 91 unit apartment building here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So having 91 units all under the same roof versus 91 single family homes you can imagine is a lot easier to manage, um, just a lot easier to scale your money that way. So um, that's really kind of what triggered it for me is there's really got to be a better way to do this. And then I started seeking out people that have done the thing that I wanted to do. And so mentorship for me, that was probably the number one thing that would, so I would say for someone wanting to get started and to kind of make that jump, whether you're in single family and want to kind of jump into multifamily or just jump straight in. There's, there's no stepping stone here. You can jump straight into to multifamily, right? Um, but I would say, you know, find, uh, make some good connections, find some, some, some people that have done the thing that you want to do that have are in this business and kind of model them, you know, just shadow them. There's, there's some great meetups, um, great content out there, uh, including, you know, Ian's podcast, the yield coach, things like this that are, uh, really kind of help you figure out where to get plugged in, in your local area. I started at, at a meetup. I went to a meetup that was a multifamily-based meetup. And from there, that led me, um, I met meet people there that led me to other meetups and that led me to join a mentorship program. Wonderful. And I think that um, you made a good point by kind of backing up my question is it does depend. Everyone's a little different. Um, 
like your example of the physician surgeon, you know, that's a, that's a busy, uh, high net worth individual that probably has no business trying to do this on their own. I mean, they could try everyone, like you said, with the right leadership and guidance, everyone I believe could, could find success in real estate investing. But for some people, the better role is to make that irreplaceable, super, super high dollar per hour task, whether it's surgery, um, law, um, some money managers make very good money and then let them just put their money over as a limited partner with, with, um, with your deals or someone or someone that they trust. And, um, you know, when the gal asked me, you know, she's, she's talking about a couple hundred bucks and I'm thinking, I think what I'm hearing is that the general public that's not in our space, they almost think there's like this, like magic pill or silver bullet or, or like we as investors, don't do a whole lot it's like it's like a hack to use like words my daughter would use like oh what's what's the hack on this what's the hack on that and i <laughs> i think that you could vouch i know that i can it is still work i mean it's it actually can be some people leave their their w2 or their 1099 whatever it is their steady job they go into these entrepreneurial investment pursuits and they're like holy crap i'm working more than i was before this is supposed to be this like easy panacea cure-all and it's and it's not so i think that um I think just the nature of that question, I could tell, oh, she must think there's like a, a an easy button, like the old Staples commercial, you know? And, yeah. And there, and there really is, there really is not. I'm, um, I'm still looking for the, the easy button. I, yeah, I, I don't think it exists. I agree. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree with that. And that's exactly why that's how I started investing passively because it would, it's a time, you know, it's a time thing. Yes. It's a lot of work. If you're going to be on the active side and be an, an active general partner in, in multifamily, it is a lot of time. And I do think that that is a misconception. People think that it's easy. Um, it, you know, there, it is, the, it is a lot of work. And so passive investing is a great option, um, for that surgeon. That's what, exactly why he is investing now passively, um, alongside me. And, you know, let someone like me and my partners do all of the heavy lifting. That's exactly what it is. So leveraging, you know, leveraging partners can be, um, partners are a, a secret weapon, right? Finding the right partners and leveraging their time. For me, I think that I, I'm definitely the type of person that I want to do everything myself. You know, I'm the, oh, if you got to want it, want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And that that's not true. And I've learned that very much so in multifamily, even my partners, my general partners, um, that you know you if you find a good a good team you you're splitting up the work and then you're also able to focus on the things that you're really good at and efficient at why spend your time spinning your wheels on on tasks or a, a part of a, a business that um that's really not what you're what you're good at what you're what you're made for and so being able to kind of split up those tasks and really rely and leverage on leverage your partners um it's huge you can go so much faster so much further uh, using, using partners. So definitely. Yeah. For the, um, for some of our, our past investors, that's exactly why I got started as I didn't have the time. And that's a great option to put your money to work. I mean, my real estate investments have are performing better than any investment I've ever made. Yeah. I, um, I got started about, I've been in real estate 17 years, but I got really active in investing seven years ago. And I don't think we've hit anything under now bear in mind, I'm cherry picking. I've been in the same market a long time. I jump asset classes, but I mean, we were hitting three times multiples on everything we touched or better. And that, that's getting harder to do now. Um, the last deal, we just, I think we both, we can talk about this later, but we both closed a deal recently. It sounds like I closed a 506C syndication two weeks ago. By the time this airs, it'll probably be like a month out. But uh, we we just closed a big industrial track and uh, a modest raise. We raised a million dollars, but I mean, that deal has so much upside in it. Um, but it's, you know, that was the only thing that that we closed in the past 
uh, almost year. Um, but my point is, you know, some of these, if you're, if you're prudent and you have a, like a sharpened eye and you're consistent in your underwriting, and it does help to stay in the same market. I do jump around a little bit, but my, I haven't talked about this with you, but my original core competency was commercial real estate appraisal, certified general appraiser. So I was kind of accustomed to jumping in and out of cash flows for different investments um, and jumping around geography. I don't think that's best practice for most investors, but to, to like, to your business model, staying in a market, staying in an asset class, knowing all the street corners, knowing all the trends, knowing all the rents, knowing how much it's going to cost to turn a unit based on different conditions, how far you're trying to push that unit, um, the best managers, the best debt sources, the best vendors. I mean, it, it all, it all adds up to something that's like irreplaceable. You're really pay, you're really paying for um, an appraisal. There was this funny definition, Sammy, our producers heard me say this before, but the developer in like the appraisal dictionary, because that's not a licensed thing, being a developer, there's no developer license. They have the power of coordination. That's the way it's defined. And I'm like, you know what? I like that. That's really what, that's like what we have is what Don has, you know, it's the power of, you've coordinated all these different human beings and software and underwriting. And you can't just even say it in one podcast, but that's what you're being compensated for is, is the power of coordination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. Um, well, I was thinking about, you know, you before this, because I think you, you, you mentioned, and we can talk about it, um, getting into a mastermind and partners being kind of like a secret code. I had another guest called partners, uh, a cheat code, you know, it's like, uh, and, and I tend to see what he's talking about. I mean, you could go from a, a very low position in society to a very high one, at least in the business world with like one good relationship. <laughs> and um, what were you doing before Crown Capital, your company now, and kind of how did you springboard into, into the successful investing career? Well, I have a background in sales and, and I definitely do not consider myself a salesperson at all. I'm, I'm not the type of person that can sell ice to an Eskimo. That's just, that's just not me. But fortunately for me, I learned very early on that sales really is just finding a solution, um, for my clients. And once I figured that out, um, you know, I never really looked at the, at the money. I never looked at the sale itself. I looked at finding that solution for my client and, then it becomes a win-win. If I'm finding a solution for them, they are a client for life and then the money will come. And so that has carried me also, you know, through even establishing a, a real estate business where, you know, you look at those relationships and how important those are. And it's, it's not about the, well, what can I get out of this? What is this going to net me? It's not about that. It's like, it's helping each other. Right. And um, I, look, I look the same thing as, as investing for my passive investors that invest with me that, um, for them, I'm, you know, I didn't even know that this existed, this multifamily investing, I, I, syndications, investing in, in syndications. And I like providing education, the educational content, because I feel like there's a lot of people that don't even know that this is an option and all I'm doing is providing the education. Right. Um, and it's an opportunity to to, for people that are looking for a different way to put their money to work. And that's it. I'm not looking at the, what can I get out of this? Or what is that? What is the end result for me? Um, that'll come. And so I think that really, that just, it's a, just a shift of how you look and look at things. It can be a win-win and it's not self-serving. 
Um, so fortunately I did learn that in my sales career. I also was in project management for a while, which is helpful in asset management, even though I'll mm -hmm. be the first to say that is not uh, my strong suit. It is, uh, it is a very, very difficult job. And um, it just wasn't, it, it's just not, um, it just wasn't the best fit for me, but it, it, it taught me so much in just the details and the process because managing um, anything, a, a project or a property in this case, a 10, 20, $30 million property. Um, wow. That is crucial. Um, and we can get into that as well too. Then we uh, had to make a management change on my very first property in the first five months. So we can talk about that too, if you want, mm. but all of those things help me so much. They translate so well into this business. And, you know, you don't see those things at the time of, you know, what is a sales career going to, going to teach me about multifamily, but it really did translate so well and just taught me um, the importance of relationships and helping helping other people. And that's that's a passion for, for me is to help others. If I can help just one person, if it's whether it's getting helping them um, with a mindset change for me, again, that was huge changing their mind from a mindset of a negativity to being positive or being grateful or helping someone achieve their goals to me, then that's that's fulfilling. That's really fulfilling. I feel like that's kind of my purpose is to help others. And I, th I think that's where we have um, some overlap, some commonality is I never got into my investment pursuits to try and just be like Scrooge, McDuck, Scrooge McDuck and fill the vault and swim around and spit out the gold coins. <laughs> I, I really, I really have always just been kind of um, like a laid back free spirit. Um, I'm not, I'm actually not by nature very competitive, which is contrary to most of the people you talk to in this type of forum. Um, I've taken multiple personality assessments and I just am not that competitive. And, um, and so, which has made me reflect on why I do this. And I think it's really just for the giving back component, the education, the exposure. It's been so significant to me to be able to go from a very stressed out, high student loan, totally hand to mouth, not missing the mouth, like hand to whoops, I don't have enough. And and to be, I got myself financially independent in my thirties and, and it's not like I had a huge budget. So it's not like I had to do some of the things that you've heard other people on these shows do however, but just, just to get, you know, your investment income above your monthly expenses, it feels so good. And I was a history major, you know, I had to learn a lot of this after going through my appraisal and legal and brokerage training. But even then I was doing legal brokerage and appraisal for others. It, it didn't really make me an investor. I, I learned keywords. I learned how to underwrite. But once I kind of got through the veil, I was like, I've got to spread this word. I'm not, and to your point, I'm not very salesy either. I'm just more mad. I'm just exposing people to ideas. But I'm like, I know. I've, I've seen my SAT scores. I've seen my GPA. I, I know if I can do this, I know other people can do this. And yes. so I was like, I've got to, I would just be remiss. I'd be a bad human being for, for so many reasons. I make my, my father sad. I mean, I have to spread what I've learned to those that are receptive to hearing it because I think it's the, I mean, divorces and family life. So much of it is around like financial burden. And I think some people are like, oh, you have a show. You just like talk about, you know, getting rich and ruling the world. That is not my MO at all. If you want to shoot for that. I mean, whatever motivates you. I don't think that's going to motivate somebody in the long run, but whatever gets you going. But for me, it was about family and time and freedom and and those components and just a level of where I could be myself and that's okay. So Yes. Oh my gosh. I could not agree more. You know, I think you touch on so many good things there. I think 
that so many of us are looking for that financial freedom. And to me, what that really means is time. You know, I think we, you know, you think it's about the money. Oh, you know, that's going to help me, but it's really what money can can allow you to do. And I think when, we, when it comes down to it, all of us are looking to buy back our time, you know, time for the things that are important to us, time to spend time with our families or um, volunteering or whatever makes your heart full. That's really, I think what we're ultimately looking for. And you also kind of touched on this too. It's, I think it's that abundance mentality, helping others. That's something also that is, we talk about a lot in this space that I didn't, I didn't come from that. And it just makes sense. You know, they're, there's this scarcity mentality that a lot of people have that there's not enough success for everyone, which is so not true there. There, I, I believe that there's, there's plenty of success for anyone who wants it. And why not share that with others? If we can all share in that success, um, that makes, the, that makes this world a better place, right? So why wouldn't, why would you want to keep that to yourself? You know, when you, when you've got something that's working for you, successful in, in, in a financial and investing, why not share that with others? you know, help, help them succeed along the way because there is enough success for everyone. So that absolutely, I totally agree with that. And I think that's why, even though, you know, we've both, and we can get into this, we both syndicated real estate and we've done, you know, I would consider it fairly advanced kind of black belt investing. Um, the part that probably st- I'm happy to have done that. And I'm excited. I think the part that I still get the most excited about, even when I, when I discuss with others, I like, like the college age up to, well, I won't put a cap on it. That's not really fair because that's a little ageist. But I like that kind of coming of age, college, maybe late high school type person that has everything in front of them. And no one's really told them there's just a few decisions that are really going to make a big difference. Um, and no one and God bless my parents, um, you know, liberal arts majors, very loving, very religious, very supportive. I've had a great family life, but no one ever really told me running into deep six figure loans for advanced degrees was a bad idea. Um, <laughs> it just, no one, no one said it. I'm like, oh, it's okay. You'll, you'll earn <laughs> it back. Uh, and then I became an attorney in Jacksonville, Florida uh, in 2013. And I was like, Oh my Lord, um, I am never paying these things off. And so um, it was through almost mimicking the behavior of my clients to, you know, like you talked about modeling mm-hmm. some of, some of my early models that were like, they were like, um, mentors that were paying me because I was providing services to them, but I would make sure they find the deal. I underwrite the deal. I could get them a lender. I mean, I'd been in real estate a long time, so I could help them with all that stuff, write their contracts, review everything. But what I was watching, even though I was an appraiser, I was kind of watching like why they, why they bought what they bought. Like I understood the numbers, but they would be like, now this is a while ago. So you're going to laugh, but they'd be like, Ian, going to Jacksonville, I'll take um, any C-class, D-class concrete block. Uh, we'll pay up to 50,000 a unit if it's not garbage. And I'm like, well, that's a very informal, uh, you know, that doesn't sound like anything from appraisal school. And, uh, and like, lo and behold, I started to underwrite the stuff based on these very like loose credentials and criteria. I was like, oh, I see why they're doing it because everything's renting for 750 or 800 a unit, even in these neighbor or the voucher, the voucher's worth, you know, 800 for a two bedroom. And so if they pay 50 and it doesn't need a lot of rehab, you know, it's going to cash flow X and, it just started to all come together, but it was, and I'm, what I'm getting at with this ramble is strategic partners and mentors, whether you pay for them, whether you're providing them services and then inherently getting some of their wisdom. um, I think that's, I think that's where it is because you can't control where you start. You're, you're born where you're born. Your parents are who they are. um, But you can make some pretty substantial changes intentionally. And I really don't think it's, 
it can't be luck because there's too many people like us on shows like this talking about change. And a lot of it was manifested, you know, between the ears and then applied. You can't just be an idea person. But I think for me, my clients were my first like accidental mentors. And it sounds like for you, and you can tell us, it sounds like um, paid coaching or mentorship. I'll, I'll let you kind of dive into that was was kind of a secret weapon and i will just give one thought on that another way would be to just work for a developer or an investment company or capital company however it would be unlikely they would try to give you enough exposure to go do it on your own even if they love you to death it's not in their best interest to like tee up don to go out and conquer the same market doing the same thing that they're already doing versus a coach or a partner where you're actually rising together, it's different. It's like you're being trained to be your own CEO. I'll, I'll pause there and you kind of give me your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. There's certainly situations that, that you could be in and, and just with the right, with the right people that will, you know, kind of bring you along, but um, that wasn't the case for me. So I did join a mentorship program, a paid mentorship program. And I was looking for kind of the fastest way to get there. Right. And for, I was willing to pay for that. I'm not saying you can't do it. Otherwise you can definitely, you know, if you meet the right people, maybe through meetups or just connections, absolutely. You can, you can do it. I just think it, it might be a lot more challenging and may take, take longer. That's just my opinion. So the paid mentorship was the way to go for me where you are. I mean, you basically have coach, coaches at your fingertips that teach you everything. And it's like, you know, it's like, if you want to, it's like Google maps, right? If you want to get somewhere faster, you know, if you, you could use a, a road, the old school roadmap, or, um, I don't know, a compass, <laughs> like, <laughs> or you could, or you could use Google maps and you can pay for tolls, right. To get there faster, you know, get from point A to point B. So there's lots of different routes you can take, I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah. when you want to get from one point to another, and you have lots of different choices, lots of different paths that you can take. But um, the route I chose was I'm like, I'm willing to pay for tolls. I'm willing to pay extra. I want a coach that's going to teach me everything from, from A to Z. And so that's what I did. And that that definitely helped me get there a lot faster. So, Yeah, I think that um, one thing that's not discussed as often is burnout. And one thing that partnership or paid mentorship or coaching can do is it can it can greatly reduce the chance that you burn out. Um, a, you have another person who theoretically is like above you and pulling you up and pulling you along. And and B, you're not alone. So we, I think we briefly touched on this maybe right before we hit record, but I mean, it can be a lonely journey, the journey of the entrepreneur, the journey of the investors, plenty of room for self-doubt, uh, plenty of room to question every decision you've made up to this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and I know, I'll, speak, I'll speak for myself. I've been there so many times. I'm like, what? how did I ever arrive at this moment? You know, I, and you question like everything you've ever done or I have. <laughs> and so, um, and here I, I, and I'm in a better, I'm in a better position, knock on wood. I'm on a better, I'm in a better position today as I sit here with you than I've, than I've ever been. And there's been so much doubt along the way. And I just think that people need to know it's, it's there. It's, it's going to be there no matter what. It's just really a matter of like what you do with it. So Don charges forward finds a good uh, coaching or mentorship program. And some people use the term like collapsing time. I kind of like that too, where it's like, yeah, could Don, yeah. Could you figure this out on your own? When I say this, that's so vague, but I mean, uh, identifying deals, underwriting capital stack, and then you've got the whole syndication side, which is 
almost never done alone. I mean, you're going to have it. You need every syndication attorney that almost acts like a, almost a partner in your deal if they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much to it. And it's, I just think it's unrealistic. You'd have to have all these different people like sit you down and give you like the stone tablets of wisdom on all these different topics. And I just think that I believe people are inherently good, but I don't think they're just going to give you the secret sauce in all these different areas. And yes. um, yeah. versus you have someone who's literally their job is to give you all of this as concise and packaged and easy to swallow as possible. That's a unique individual. And the only person that could do that would be someone who's compensated for giving away this wisdom. It would have to be a coach. Mm-hmm. So um, I, uh, I was going to ask you, as you come, as you came into multifamily, what were, you know, kind of, I'm just kind of a twofold question, kind of like, what did you perceive your superpower to be? And then how were you able to kind of like, use that within the paradigm or lens of like these, these programs you entered? I think mine was probably networking or still is, I guess. But here's one thing that I did learn um, about myself is I was really good at meeting people and networking, but I wasn't, I realized that I wasn't really communicating what um, like what I could, what value I could bring to a team. This was particularly when I was looking for, for partners. Um, but I definitely was good at meeting people. I think that, um, just again, my kind of my, my sales background, I was really good at making connections. I like, I grew my network very quickly, but I realized that it was, you know, we want this to happen so fast, right. In, in anything, whatever your goals are, whether it's multifamily or other, you know, in your career in entrepreneurship, we want it to happen so fast. And I think that I was making all these connections thinking like, that's the goal. That's the goal, right. Is to just kind of grow your network. And then I realized, okay, that's really not the way to do it. I think having, um, even fewer relationships, but more, um, just more solid, just really actual true connections. I think that was really what established it for me. So I think I took the wrong approach at first of just like, of trying to just meet as, get as many business cards as I could. That's not, that's not the goal here. Um, so it really, I kind of, when I took a step back and I was like, no, I, I would rather have fewer, fewer connections, but make them really solid and really establish those relationships and put the time into developing those relationships. And that's really eventually how my partners came about is through those connections. So that's really, um, kind of where I started focusing is on those strong connections. And then, um, I do like capital raising and that's kind of where I, I see myself fitting in the best. Again, it just kind of goes back to that education just because I like helping people. I can see in other people, I can see myself. I can see where I was looking for something and I didn't even know what I was looking for. I just knew that there had to be something else. There had to be a better way. And when I have conversations with people, they say the same thing. They're like, oh my gosh, my wife and I were just talking about this. Like, how do we, how do we grow this nest egg? This is not working. We're putting our money in the stock market. It's, it's, it fluctuates. I, I, they, they're tired and people are fed up and they're looking for other options. And I think people understand the concept of investing in real estate and how it appreciates it. And, you know, it's going to increase in value. You're investing in a tangible asset but it's just that, how do I get there? And so this is a great, um, it kind of connects those two. And that's why I like providing the education. So that's really all capital raising is to me. It's just a good fit for me. But, um, so now I, I'm just establishing more relationships and just, and just having those conversations. These are real people just like you and me that are just like, they're struggling with how do I make this work? And, you know, when you can say, you can offer a solution like, Hey, this is what worked for me and that's it. 
you know, you're, you're sharing your story. Like this is what, this, what, this is what we're for me and, and then take it from there. So, um, that has been a gift and a blessing to be able to share that with others. What do you find? And it might be a different answer, you know, as of today than, than last year, but what do you find the, the biggest challenges right now in, in raising capital? Um, we both just, it sounds like we both just finished a capital raise of, of some sorts. Um, uh-huh. I think yeah. you're, I have a feeling yeah, your deal was bigger than mine, but uh, yeah, you'll have right to ahead. update your numbers. Yeah. Now I'm over 700 doors. So hey. um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mention that to you earlier on. Yes. I meant to send you that the info. So yeah, it just closed one a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think the challenge right now is there's a lot of people that are fearful in this market. And I understand that I get it because, you know, it is, it is a very different market that we're in right now. Um, hopefully things are, it looks like possibly might start kind of leveling out. I think there just hasn't been a lot of trading going on a lot of, a lot of buying and selling going on in multifamily because, um, because of that uncertainty. And I think as an investor, I think that's where a lot of people want, they, they're just, they're, they're fearful. Right. And I would just say to that, there's buying opportunities, there's any buying or selling opportunities. There's opportunities in every market cycle. This is really just an, it is a normal market cycle. I think we just, we had, everything was so, everything was booming for so long that it just, we kind of got used to that. And we got so spoiled by interest rates. Um, This deal that we just closed on, we get a 5.17 interest rate. That's actually really good. You know, so there, there's still really, there are some opportunities and I just would, you know, just remember that this is a normal economic cycle and there's buying opportunities opportunities in every cycle. You just have to know what you're looking for and, um, and just be more selective, right? Just do, do that extra homework or have someone, you know, do it for you and make sure that, that you're, you know, you're vetting these deals, um, and your, your sponsorship team that you're working with, um, you know, look at kind of like 2020 that was looking back on that year. I was the, one, as I just said, I got tired of the volatility of the stock market. I was actually buying on wall street in 2020 in March and April of 2020. And that was because now I don't, I don't tend to put a lot of money, money in the stock market anymore, but I recognize that this is an opportunity. And while everyone else was selling and dumping their stocks because they were fearful of what was happening, I was buying. Um, I saw Starbucks was down 60% and I'm buying because I'm like, I know y'all love your Starbucks. Like Starbucks mm-hmm. is not going anywhere. It's going to come back. So when, when things are on sale, when the market is down, you know, that's when you buy, those are the good opportunities. Right. And, you know, sure enough, you know, look at, look at 2021, I mean, was, was crazy. You know, the growth was, was incredible. So anyone who bought, um, multifamily in 2020, uh, in t- I mean, if they're holding it through 2021, I mean, just like incredible, incredible growth had some of the best returns ever recorded ever. Um, that's because they saw an opportunity when the market was down, when everyone else was fearful and they jumped on that. So, you know, that's what I would say right now is I, I get, I get it. I understand like being cautious and that makes sense, right? Be smart, but, um, don't let that fear paralyze you. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, the track record of your operator you know, or your syndicator, if you're, if you're investing in like private placements, um, like I do and like you do, um, I think the track record of your operator, um, has your operator solved problems like this before, or, or just their ability to problem solve and operate through, have they underwritten with margin? Um, cause you know, forever, forever, I say forever for many, many years, it was just declining cap rates, growing rent. And you didn't necessarily have to finish a business plan. You could you could kind of paper it up or you could close the asset, paper it up, let the cap rate compress along with the interest rates for many years there and the rents go up. And, and you could kind of pull pull that big return where now 
um, modeling exit cap rates and modeling interest rates is trickier. Um, modeling rent growth, you have to be a lot more conservative. So I still like, I still like multifamily when you can get in it below replacement because there is a lot of new construction out there. And like I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, but we have thousands and uh, probably tens of thousands. We at least 10,000. We have a lot of units coming online. They're in the pipeline. They're either entitled or under construction. And we only have like a 4% vacancy. We have really good rent growth, a lot of population growth. They'll probably be okay. But if I were just, you know, to start today, if I could go find something that's kind of like B class, maybe C, depending on where it is. And I know I'm way below um, the, the cost to construct replacement cost. At least I know nobody can pop up right next to me, build a competitive property. Um, I kind of create some margin at acquisition. And say I had to weather, weather a storm. Um, I was appraising before the fall of 2008 commercial real estate and then right through it and beyond. And the really hard times, they, they were really bad. They're much, much harder than we're, we haven't seen anything like that right now. Like people complain right now, there's this there's everyone's employed for the most part um their real estate's still doing great overall so it's nothing like fall of 2008 but if you were able to kind of hold for even five years as long as you didn't have some weird ballooning debt or some trigger you were going to be a-okay so i feel like right now mm-hmm. obviously underwrite some volatility but if you're modeling a five-year hold or more um i feel pretty confident I mean, you're an established operator you know your market i i'd, I'd still feel pretty confident yeah, agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, well, kind of looking at some of your, you know, we were going to talk about maybe one of your sample deals. It doesn't have to be your first deal per se, but a lot of times we'll we'll dive in and just kind of unpack a sample deal if you're game for that. Um, and let's go yeah. for it. You know, let's yeah, go for absolutely. It. Yeah. Yeah, we can. Um, I, you know, I think my first one is a good, a good example too, especially in you know, that first one is yeah. always kind of the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Do you want to just, I can do like a quick overview. Yeah. Or so this- I have a, I'll, I have this really easy, you know, not that I can't remind you, but it's the, the coach Brown breakdown. And what we kind of do is we look at, I put all these F's in it. Had you find it, fund it, fix it. Had you exit? Is there a lesson? I can repeat all those things again, but had you find it? Had you fund it? Did you fix it? And what's your plan? Had you exit? So okay. um, yeah. And oh. if you, if you deviate, we'll pull you back on course, but let's have, we'll have a little fun. Okay. Yeah. Do it. Keep me on, keep me on track here. <laughs> um, yeah. So it is a, uh, the very first one that I bought was a 91 unit, um, $10 million property. It's in Fort Worth. Um, so for any of you in the, the Dallas Fort Worth area, um, it's in a great location. It's right up of 30 in Hewlin and we buy B and C class properties. So this means they're built typically in the seventies and eighties. And I'm really big on location though. It can be an older property, but if it's in a good location, I feel like you've got, you know, you've really, you've got a really solid asset. And that was the case with this property. It was built in 1970. And so it's definitely older construction, but the location, it sits three blocks from a central market and Chick-fil-A and Mikasina, just like some A-class shopping and dining. And we knew we had like a, a property in a, in a really good location. So that was number one for me. Um, finding that first deal you know, that again is probably the the hardest one is getting that, getting that first multifamily deal. When you're look, talking about, you know, a, a 91 unit, $10 million property. Um, we, my partners and I made offers on several properties before that and gotten best and final in gosh, I think five or six deals. And 
So that part was challenging. It took 10 months to get my first deal, which is really not bad at all. Um, but, but going through that, I do remember the, those, those challenging times of just thinking like, gosh, like you're putting in so much work and then to get invested in final, and then you don't get the deal. And then it feels like you're starting over from scratch and it feels very deflating. Oh my gosh. Cause you put so much work into this and all the research. And, um, but I had to keep reminding myself that, it's not starting over because I'm really one step closer to finding that deal. I know that, that my deal is right around the corner. So that's, you know, number one is whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, just, just don't give up because I feel like some people do give up because it, if it gets challenging, um, they think that this is not working and they fall just short of that goal and, and they never get to see what's on the other side. Um, they don't get to see that all their hard work pay off. So just, you know, don't give up. So that was me and, uh, eventually got that one. So this particular deal was listed by a broker that we had already gotten in best and final on a deal previously in that year, um, a few months before that. And so I knew the broker, which was great. So when I saw he had this deal come out, I was like, well, I know him. We have a good relationship. We've established that relationship when I was looking at the last deal a few months ago. Um, so that was number one right there. And again, the location. So really just it kind of lined up. So I called the broker and like, you know, we want to go tour it. So um, I think having that relationship again is, is so important. And I think he really wanted, you know, he was kind of pushing for us to, to win. I know they may, you know, maybe some of the brokers are, um, maybe they said it to all of their, all, you know, all, all of the groups, but um, I do feel like because we had gotten, he saw, you know, how far we got in that last deal that he really um, had hoped that this is, this would come through. And again, on another relationship point, the, uh, we knew the sellers. So I didn't know that at the time when we first toured the property, but it turns out that we knew the sellers. And I think that was a huge advantage. Again, those relationships are so important. You just never know who you're going to meet and who you might be buying a property from someday or selling a property to. And the selling group, they, uh, they said that we, um, you know, they said we weren't the highest bidder. Now that could be by a dollar. It could be like, like $50,000. I don't know, but they said we weren't the highest bidder, but they gave it, they gave us the deal, um, because, because of the relationship. So, um, so we got the deal and it was super excited. I remember the day that the broker called me and it was this, um, oh my goodness, like we got it. And then it was like, Oh, oh crap. We got it. <laughs> it was that, Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, now the real work begins. Right. Right. And, um, so that was, it was so exciting, but just also like terrifying at the same time. And, but we, you know, we jumped right in and we had, we did put a new property management company on the property. And that was, um, we had heard um, good things. We had not worked with this property management company before, but we had heard good things about them and they were in the Fort Worth area. So we decided to put them on. Um, unfortunately, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier is management is everything. And we, you know, we understand like taking over a property is a lot of work. And so we're giving them some time to kind of, you know, sort through everything and take over this new property. Uh, but, but we probably let them hang on a little bit too long. Um, five months in, we decided to make a change because we were catching a lot of, a lot of mistakes in bookkeeping in, um, in just maintenance. And we really felt like this property was slipping. And so we decided to make the change and, uh, we changed management companies five months in and it was night and day since, since then it has been night and day. Um, so we can talk about that too, but having an on your onsite, um, oh my gosh, like you know, our manager on site, she is amazing. You can tell that she really cares about the property. She cares. She takes pride in it. She, um, she loves the residents. It just, you can really just take, 
see that she takes ownership of that. And that's, that's so crucial. So your onsite is, is mm-hmm. that management is, is, is so crucial. Um, but going back to some of the other questions, cause see, I'm already getting off track here, uh, funding. Um, so funding, we did a bridge loan. That was what everyone was doing. This is in 2021. We did a bridge loan and, um, we're, um, our lender is, uh, we still, we have not sold this deal. So, um, we're, we're still in this deal and we just had a call with our lender the other day and they're, um, they're really being great. You know, they have a lot of, everybody was doing bridge debt then. And, um, so the, our lenders in the same boat, they're just like, you know what, your property is performing really well. Um, they're basically just kind of working alongside of us and, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of monitoring what the market's going to look like. And, you know, we're looking at possibly next year. Um, if we don't sell it next year, then we will consider refinancing, um, into probably fixed, but we'll see what interest rates look like. We've probably, you know, have another six months to a year before we would even look at that. We're kind of just going to wait and see what the rest of this year looks like. Yeah. Um, but it is important to also have a good relationship with your lender. You know, it's great to have those conversations and just be honest with them. Um, you know, again, fortunately this, this property is we're, we're exceeding pro forma rents, um, our, our pro forma income just because of that location is just fantastic. Um, so our property is 96% occupied. We continue to kind of just, um, do those unit turns and improve the property. And uh, it looks really pretty. I mean, it just, it makes night and day, the curb appeal, everything, you know, we're also making this a place, a, a pl- this is, this is for our residents. This is their home. And we want it to be a community that they, that they love and that they want to come home to. That's just, it's pretty, it's clean. Um, I was out there a few months ago and uh, just visiting with our onsite and one of the residents came in and, you know, she didn't know who I was. And so I'm just chit-chatting with her and she asked me, she, you know, who are you? And I was like, I'm one of the, one of the owners. And um, she was like, oh my gosh, she was like, I've lived here for six years. And she said, I've seen such a huge difference. Um, she said, there were times that we would go without hot water for weeks. Wow. And I'm just like, gosh, like that should never happen. I mean, guys, like first and foremost, like take care of your residents. Um, I understand this is a business, but this is somebody's home. And so, you know, that is so, so important to us that we're taking care of our residents and then they want to stay, you know, we're making this a a great place for them, a safe place for them. And, uh, and then they want to stay, they want to renew when their lease comes up. You know, this is, again, that goes back to that win-win. This is a win-win. So that's been, it's been, it's been really good. It's been very rewarding to, to hear that from residents. And I think you actually got through it. Um, how you find it? How you, find it? How you <laughs> fix it? Was there much of a? Was there much on the fix it side? Was there much of like a capital expense business model, or was it more managerial value add? Uh, we definitely have done a lot of renovations, um, mostly to interiors. That was we kind of it was kind of a hodgepodge of the the interiors. So we're just making them more consistent with new flooring and new cabinets, um, new countertops. Um, and some exterior projects we did like some cedar fencing, some of the fencing was in bad shape, um, some landscaping to really just kind of, kind of clean it up. We did new washers in the laundry, in the laundry rooms there. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some amenity things that we've done to kind of add to the property. Um, but yeah, I think the management, the management was huge. But but all in all, I mean, it was just um, kind of just taking the property to, I think, the next level of just turning it into, um, you know, just kind of a um, a nice place, but really kind of kind of making it making sure that we're hitting all of those important things, like not only having hot water, I mean, the basics, um, but then making it just a, a prettier property, that beautification to make it even to enhance it that much more. Um, but I would say probably the biggest challenge on that one is um, aside from the management change, now that we've, we're in a good place there was um, some of these older properties is, is plumbing. I'm just going to say plumbing. That's a lot of <laughs> these mm-hmm. old pipes, man. Oh my gosh. You know, make sure that there's extra money. Fortunately, we do have that extra padded uh, money in our CapEx budget for um, unfair 
unforeseen things. And uh, yeah, some of those older properties, they they tend to have a lot of, of, pl of plumbing issues. So that's been another, you know, a leak and we're like, okay, here's another one. So uh, make sure we have extra budget for that. Oh, I know that. Yeah. I had, um, I got up to like 126 or 124 multifamily, all, all C class. Some, some you might argue D <laughs> and uh, I sold 40 in Jacksonville that I had and um, C minus type assets and uh -huh. um, man built in the seventies. And they were like, you know, they'd been through every hurricane. They were, they were like bunkers, but man, those, oh, that metal plumbing, you know, um, and like, <laughs> it's been hacked on over the years and decades and yeah, somebody's got a leak in their ceiling and it's coming down or like the the bibs, whatever they call them, like in the hot and cold water handles on these old uh, uh -huh. showers and they'll leak behind yep. the wall and you can't tell. They'll get stripped out and they'll leak down through into the gal that's below and old granny's looking up and there's water coming down on her vanity. And you're like, oh God, here come, <laughs> you know, here comes some, maybe some, if you do this, like maybe here comes a rent concession, maybe depends on how bad it is. You know, here comes, you know, the handyman and that related bill. God forbid it's something your handyman can't do. Now you've got, you know, permitted plumbing work and yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah. I yeah. I know more about plumbing probably than I ever cared to. Want yep. to do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's funny because I know multifamily is your uh, core competency, and, I, and multifamily is really good to me. I still have an eighty-three unit with a partner, um, and like seven Airbnbs. That's different, kind of a different animal. But um, I will say it's it's way up on the managerial, even asset management. I know you're not the property manager, but even doing the asset management as the as the GP syndicator, I mean, that's a lot of work on these things. There's constant mm -hmm. decisions. And versus mm -hmm. I'm like, I look at deals now and I'm like, man, maybe I'll just do like a boat and RV yard. <laughs> you know, I'm like, give, give me something, you know, give me something mindless. Um, I know, and that probably sounds lazy and horrible, but I've been in the trenches. No, I've you're done, right I've though. Done, I've done the voucher stuff. I've done the, I've done the 1960s, the 1970s, the metal pipes, the bad roof, the all that stuff. So, but like to, we both know it. It's it's worth it. It's worth the effort. Um, and 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 one thing I didn't even mention after you talked about the case study, it is a community. So like I I I said boatyard. Yeah, actually, I am going to do a boatyard. You know, mark my words, I'm going to do one. But you know, when you do residential multifamily and you are building a community, I know, I know some people kind of roll their eyes because, because they hear that a lot, but I don't think you should roll your eyes. I mean, all the stuff that I bought was really badly managed. And a big part of our business model was like, assuming these were quality tenants, you know, that pay their rent and they're respectful to the property. We want to make them happy. We want them to be proud that they live there. We would mm -hmm. like to retain them. I mean, that's a, that's to our business benefit, but we want to retain them and we want them to be happy and we want them to tell their friends about the property. We want to change the reputation. We exactly. Even if we didn't have to, we would usually rebrand the property just to completely purge and disassociate uh, the previous branding, the color scheme, the name. Even if it wasn't that bad, we'd just get rid of it. Or I did buy one that didn't have a name. And so we, you know, adding a name, adding some new color schemes, getting a little bit of pride of um, tenancy, ownership, possession um, goes a long ways. I think that's not yes. discussed that much, but it's really important. It does. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump into kind of like our one last section before we talk about some of your extracurriculars, but this is the, the, the resources part of the conversation, like things that have been great resources for you could be books, um, could be mentorship programs, could be, you know, could be really anything. Um, could be podcasts that you like, a YouTube channel that you like, but 
you know, a lot of people that listen to this type of medium, you know, they're actively searching for, for other things. So what are some resources that you like? It could be anything that I already mentioned could be a conference. Now that conferences are kind of back in vogue. Um, it was weird not having, like, I never did any of those zoom virtual ones. I, not to dog them. I was, I, I've got to be there. <laughs> I can't, yes. I can't pay and sit on zoom, but they're back in they're back person. Yeah. 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 In person is, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's different. Um, I, yeah, I love meetups. I use meetup all the time to see what's going on in my area. That's how I first got connected to multifamily. I went to multifamily meetup. So I went to local meetup and then just found others from there. Um, the conferences. Yep. I love meeting people. I think that's great. I'm again, I'm really big on those relationships, but I, I also, I, I love books. I think at any given time, I'm, I think I'm reading nine different books. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, um, maybe my goal should be to finish at least one of those uh, nine books that I'm reading. So I just finished, um, uh, I just finished recently the the power of one more by Ed Milet. That was a great one. I love that he talks about habits. That was kind of a big takeaway for me on that one is um, our habits are our default. That's what we go to, you know, naturally when you're, when you're tired, when you're on autopilot, whatever it is like those habits, that's what we, that's our default. And so it was really kind of, when I thought about that, I was like, oh, you're just making sure that you have those really positive, productive habits. And this is something that I had done before reading the book, but it definitely kind of just kind of honed in on what am I doing my habits, but I start my day every day with one with a devotional. And then after that, I also, um, I'm a big list person. So I make my list for the day, but at the top of my list, I write out affirmations. I write out who I am, especially if it's something that I'm struggling with at the moment. I kind of write the opposite of that of like, no, this is who I am. Like, this is who God designed me to be. Um, and you know, it could be anything. It could be, I'm you know, like, I'm full of, I like, the, I, I like Jesse Itzler's. I don't get tired. I write that one a lot. I use that one a lot. <laughs> I don't get tired. You know, when you're feeling tired, it's like, no, I don't get tired. Um, I, you know, I, I exude positive energy, I, whatever it is, you know, that, that you're, maybe if you're feeling the exact opposite, but I'm a believer in just, and just in expressing those things and telling yourself a different story. So love that. Um, but one of the uh, books that one of the very first books I read about mindset I love is um, it's called You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Nice. Um, it's so it's not multifamily related at all, but I was mindset was new to me and it really just kind of changed like the way I was like viewing myself, like what I think about what I'm um, telling myself and, and really just giving myself the encouragement. Nobody, I didn't really come from that. We talked about that a little bit. Like I didn't come from that background of like, oh, you can do anything you want to do and be anything. I didn't really come from that mindset. So this was all very new to me. And it really just kind of like, it was a really funny book too. It was just a really fun read. And I, I really enjoyed that. So, um, but there's some, I mean, man, there's so many good books out there. Gosh, I love the, um, uh, the 12 week, uh, the 12 week year that was called by, um, Brian Moran. Um, if you're, you know, just breaking your goals down into, instead of annual goals, breaking them down into in 12 weeks. I mean, there's, there's so many, so many, so much, so many good resources like that out there for sure. I was at the, um, Hunter Thompson Capital Raising Conference in Kentucky in January of this year, 23. And that was the first like live event I'd been to in years, actually. It was the first one post-COVID. And then so that almost takes care of three years right there. So Jesse, you mentioned Jesse, I'm going to say his last name, Isler. Isler, uh, yeah. Isler. I um, love him. I'd heard of him, but like I'd never, I'd never followed him on like socials or seen him speak or anything. Never watched his like his YouTubes or anything. So he presented and I was just like, 
you know, like it was so Amazing. well done. Oh my yes. God. It almost, um, God just made me like want to do more, be more dynamic, like just like turn up the dial. And what did he say? Um, I'm going to botch it because I'm doing this on the fly. He said, you'll never be dissatisfied if you empty your tank. He had this like empty your tank analogy. And he's like, people that are like um, depressed, um, I don't want to say depressed because that is its, its own clinical thing. But let's say you're down or melancholy about like your performance. If you empty your tank, meaning you went all out, 100, you know, call it 110% into the effort, you know, the capital raise, looking for the property, the network, whatever it is you're trying to do, the podcast, the the new branding, if you went all in and emptied the tank, you won't have regret is when you take these like half steps and half measures. And I was like, that just like really rang true to me. I've never really been upset with anything that I've done as long as I did it to my fullest, you know, emptied the tank. And so, uh, and then he had this, it was a big calendar. I must confess, yes. I, I, I haven't done it yet. So if you've done it. The, yeah, his big ass calendar. His yes, big ass I've calendar. Yeah, it's you did great. it? Okay. So yeah. I have it. I decided it doesn't really matter when I start it, which is probably a bad thing to tell myself. I'm like, I'll just pick that time and just loop back around to that time the following yeah. year. But uh, but it's on my immediate personal to-do list to do the the one year calendar with the, is it Masogi is like the big, That's the right. big thing yes. of your year. Yes. Yeah. I love his whole concept of calendar planning because the calendar, he's like, don't put business stuff on there. That's not what this, you've got your business calendar, right? And this calendar is for planning your life. It's to make sure that because life goes by so fast and you're, and we sometimes get so sucked into our businesses and we work so hard that we don't make time for our life, you know, those things. Mm-hmm. So that's, he's like, this calendar is for planning your life and that he blocks, um, blocks time off for those, for those things, the Masogis and his, um, Kevin's rules. And, uh, and it's really cool. Yeah. You guys should definitely look, look up Jesse. It's our, he's, he's amazing. He's so inspiring. Um, just so passionate, such a genuine guy. I've gotten to meet him on several occasions. Personally, I went to one of his, his, um, kind of like boot camp things, oh, nice. um, in this past fall. So, um, yeah, just really, but yeah, be sure you're planning your life and then, you know, fit your business around that. Well, that's a good segue. So speaking of life and not just business, what are you into when you're not crushing your multifamily goals? Uh, well, I um, I love traveling. Definitely, I'm, I love just visiting visiting new places. But one thing that I'm working on right now is um, we adopted a dog, and uh, she's a COVID baby. She's a little pit mix, and she's um, just such a sweet dog. I just got her certified to be a therapy dog. Uh, we just finished a 12 week course um, to get her certified, and so she and I did that. Like I, you know, I'm there actively working with her, and now she is certified where she can go into um, senior homes or hospitals and do visitation. And that was just really on my heart, especially during COVID when um, everything was shut down that, you know, it was really, it made me think of like how, how lonely some people are. And that was just really on my heart. And I was like, man, she'd be the perfect fit for this. So um, it took me a while to get there, but we did it and she's now certified. So we were going to start that program soon. I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. Um, lastly, where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about you? Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, Probably the website is the best way. I've got a free gift for you guys. Um, It is called 10 Tips to Make Your Money Work for You. And that's on my website. So that is crownmultifamily.com. And you'll see a link right there where you can get the 10 free tips to make your money work for you. Wonderful. I hope everybody takes advantage of that. 
Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, I know I've really enjoyed my time with Don today. Make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. It does a lot to boost our viewership and grow and get you more and more quality content. So thanks for spending this time with us. As always, enjoyed it. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all those things. This episode is on all platforms. And for now, this is the Yield Coach Show wrapping up. I am your coach, Ian Brown, signing off and reminding everybody to lace up and leave it all on the field. Yield Coach, out.